This is day two of our look together through Revelation chapter 16. We're looking this week at the seven bowls of God's judgment, and we're learning this week what these bowls have to teach us about who God is as judge. Yesterday, we learned something about how the judgments of God intensify, or they seem to, at least to us, because of the patience and the grace of God, Him giving us an opportunity to accept Him, to repent. We learned a second, in fact, even a second and third truth we're going to look at together today. The second truth we learn from what happens in Revelation 16 is the parallels to the plagues of Egypt. We learn that God tends to work in the same way in history. He gives us the pattern of what he's going to do, and then he repeats it many, many times because he wants us to understand who he is and how he's at work. And we learned that from chapter 16 in the awesome parallels that we see to the plagues of Egypt. Now, we focused on this last week. We want to just touch on it again this week. We can't help but touch on it because we're going to read together verses 2 to 4, and you're going to see it there. Let me read those verses for you. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. The parallels between what happened in Egypt when Moses went before Pharaoh and Pharaoh said, no, I won't let the people go, you remember. And so those 10 plagues came upon Egypt. Those plagues in Exodus chapter 7 to 13, here are the plagues, blood, frogs, gnats, flies, the death of livestock, boils upon people, hail, locusts, darkness, and then the death of the firstborn. Now, as we go through Revelation chapter 16, we're going to see many of these repeated. In fact, I want to highlight that for you today, even before we get to the end of the chapter. We're we're going to see reflected the same judgments in the book of Exodus and the book of Revelation. We're going to see again in this chapter blood, and we're going to see frogs, and we're going to see flies, and we're going to see boils, and we're going to see hail, we're going to see locusts, we're going to see darkness, we're going to see death in these very same judgments, almost identical. Now, why does God do this? Why are they so much the same? Why, as we said last week, do they sing the song of Moses right before this happens? Do you think God's trying to get our attention with this? Of course he is. And it's to show us something about who God is. Now, it's not that God's boring somehow, that he's not creative, that he doesn't know some different way to judge if he wanted to use a different way to judge. Absolutely not. God is not boring. God is faithful. And in showing us, in even way, way, way back in the book of Exodus, allowing us to see the pattern of how he judges, he is being faithful to show us who he is and to show us where this world is headed. The same judgments, many of them that took place in the Old Testament in a limited way in one country that was oppressing God's people, these same judgments will take place at the end of time in a universal way over all of the earth that has oppressed God's people. God is foreshadowing in the Old Testament exactly what he's going to do at the end of time. He is faithful. The more you read the Bible, the more you're going to find this. The more you see how God's plan ties together down through the ages, the more you see what a creative and awesome God we have. God is consistent. He is faithfully consistent. Whether the nation is named Egypt or Babylon, as we're going to look at next week, or Rome, as they face today, or whatever nation is to come, It's foolish to battle against God because he knows the plan. 
and he is a faithful God, and he faithfully shows us his plan again and again and again. He does not want us to miss it. So you see in the parallels to the plagues of Egypt, the faithfulness of God even in his judgment. There's a third truth that you and I learn about the judgment of God in Revelation chapter 16. The third thing we learn about is the difference between the natural consequences of sin and the final judgment of God. Let me read for you verses 5 to 7 as some of these judgments continue to unfold. Verse 5, Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in these judgments, you who are and who were the Holy One, because you have so judged. For they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. These judgments of God are a, an expression of the justice of God. These judgments of God are inevitable because the justice of God is part of his character. And there is a difference between the natural consequences I might face today because of a sin that I allow into my life and these judgments. You and I, every day, we face natural consequences of sin in our lives. Some of the consequences of sin we face because other people have sinned. We live in a sinful world, and so our lives are not perfect. Because someone else has sinned, I may have to suffer in a relationship or in my finances or in my family because of their sin. I may even suffer in my health because of their sin. I may even see somebody I love die because someone else is driving drunk because of their sin. Because of the sin of someone else, you face the consequences. It's also true that we face the natural consequences of sin because I have sinned, because you have sinned. There are bad things that happen in your life because of your sin. There's no doubt about that. That is the natural consequence of sin. That is different from God's final judgment. And here's the difference. You and I know as believers that if we begin to choose to follow God faithfully in an area, to not sin, that that natural consequence will be removed. I may still have some of it for quite some time because it may have affected many people, but God will begin to bless in an area that has been an area of curse for me because I've decided to follow him. These final judgments are not that way. They will occur no matter what because this is where the world is headed because this is where hearts that are apart from God are headed. It's not as if we could just decide to all listen to God and all of a sudden the world would get better and this would not have to happen. God's told us the future and the future is there will be some who do not follow him. And because of that, this world and the sin in it, the evil in it, will be judged. Now, does that mean that I should just say, well, I'd be better off because everything is just going to turn out bad in the end. I'd be better off not even thinking about this world at all. I'd be better off just sort of uh, focusing on what it means to be with God in eternity, what it means to live for him for eternity. Not at all. What you do in this world can build towards eternity. The fact that there is evil in this world does not mean there's not good. The fact that this evil is going to be judged in this world does not mean that the righteous thing that you do because of your love for God is not going to be blessed. These are existing right alongside of each other right now. It's not as if one totally outlaws the other from happening. So do not think that the good that you do in this world is not heard, is not affecting this world. And do not think that it will not last forever because it will. It will last. The natural consequences of sin that you and I face in our lives today because I do the wrong thing 
or someone else does the wrong thing. Because of that natural consequence, I face a personal hurt in my life. Do not confuse that with the direct, final, personal judgment of God. God has set up this world in such a way that when I do the wrong thing, I'm going to face a consequence for that, whether I break a physical law or a moral law. But in the end of time, we know that God's judgment will come. At the end of time, it will be evident to all that God is the one who is doing this. There'll be no one else to point to, nothing else to think of, because only the power of God could cause this to happen. They'll all know, everyone will know, every eye will see who it is and why it is happening. At that time, it's as if the curtain is pulled back. And sometimes today, people can blame the natural consequences of their sin on someone else or pretend it's not happening. There'll be none of that at the end. The whole world will see what's being talked about here. God, you are just in your judgments. Now, some will still flee from him. Some will still refuse to repent. But all will see that God is just in his judgments. What will people do when they see the justice of God? We're going to talk about that together tomorrow. But as we close together today, let's just talk to our Father for a minute. Our Father, we thank you that you are a just and holy judge. Sometimes the word judge scares us, but it doesn't have to. Because of what Jesus has done, we don't have to face your judgment. Instead, we look forward to an eternity of relationship with you. God, in recognizing who you are, your character, we thank you that you will not allow any sin, any evil in your sight. That you're a God who wants to live in perfection and holiness. Lord, if only we could begin to learn from you in that. And we have because of Jesus. Help us to continue. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for your death for us on the cross that has provided for us a way to not face this judgment, but instead to live forever with you. In grateful praise, we thank you. In your name, amen.